0: Welcome to Pete's Property Podcast, brought to you by Buyers Buyers and hosted by Pete Wargent, buyer's agent, finance and real estate expert, and all-round property guru, plus published author. Join Pete for 30 minutes as he chats all things property with a new guest each week. Learn practical tips from the movers and shakers in the property industry and well-known personalities sharing their property journeys.
1: G'day, welcome to this week's episode of the Pete Wargent Property Pod. I'm delighted today to have a special guest and friend, Peter Karaglanis from Presenting Homes Australia. Welcome, Peter. It's great to have you on.
2: So good to be here, Gov. You hear me say Gov because I call Pete Gov all the time. My closest English friends get called that.
1: <laughs> yes, I'll have to try and think of a uh, Greek-Australian equivalent, Um Well, I think you've got a bit of a mixed background. So let me try and articulate first what I think it is you do at Presenting Homes Australia, Pete, and then you can uh, fill me in on the blank. So your business is kind of framed around the idea of maximizing the sales price of a property, maximizing the buyer appeal, and minimizing the amount of time it takes to sell a property. And I guess there's, there's kind of three parts to that. First, before you even get into the house, making sure the street appeal is good and there's good curb appeal and also the gardens and the facade of the property are good. Then obviously interior, which is where I'm hopeless, you've got style and color guides and lighting and all of those kind of presentational trends to give yourselves an advantage when you're selling. And then I guess the other thing is just having a a proper plan or a timeline or a schedule for selling a property? Because we all know, you know, moving home and moving job, they're the most stressful things you can do aside from getting married. So, yeah, yeah, and public speaking. Yeah. So, I guess this is where you guys come in to try and help people uh, transition from that uh, being a homeowner to a vendor and um, making it a saleable asset. So, um, is that a, a decent representation of what it is you do?
2: Yeah, look, that's sort of it in a nutshell. There's many complex components that come to it, but the key thing is before um, I even get a phone call from a client, before an agent comes through to me, I actually already know what we're going to do. Mm. And, um, it just makes things so much easier.
1: You guys are obviously involved in um, multiple sales. It's something you do week in, week out, but for your average Homeowner these days. I mean, you might you might only move house, you know, once a decade on average, um, particularly a detached home. Uh, so this is where you guys, I guess, um, you understand the complexities and can help to try and take away the anxieties of the sale and that emotional roller coaster that vendors go through when they have to consider how to list.
2: We've been asked to do um, personal homes of agents. Not only just a normal agent, people who actually own agencies. And it's not that they don't know what to do. It's just that I'm not emotionally attached to the property. I'm super disciplined with what I want for the end result. Uh, we set a, uh, a timeline as to what we need to do. Uh, there's methodology. So from the day we start to the day we finish, every last single day of it is planned out. And The key thing is um, even if we're doing an agent's house or someone who's never ever sold a property before, it's all we do. And the key thing is that we know the market demographics that we're shooting for before we even get going.
1: Pete, tell us a bit about uh, your background. How did you actually get into the development side of property? And then second to that, when somebody's coming to look for a home to buy, what are the the sorts of things – that people look for and How do you understand all of that?
2: I started off actually as an automotive mechanical engineer and I uh, was qualified by the time I was 20 and at the end of that period I'd uh, had some interviews to join the uh, Victorian police. Um, I was told that I was right to go and I was going to go to the academy. Then at that time uh, the Victorian government was in a bit of financial bother. So this was the late 80s, early 90s. So the academy shut down for three months that went out to 18 months and I had actually started a commercial industrial property maintenance business so you know we could look at any after anything from you know your local survey to you know multinational companies with sites all over and that experience actually taught me how to understand property what to do with property and so um, the maintenance side of it, um, organising scope of works, um, writing contracts became a big part of it. And along that journey some 15 years in, I got a phone call out of the blue from someone who was general manager of a uh, new home building company. And he said, Pete, hey, we'd love you to come and sell homes. Well, I had zero interest. It didn't, wasn't even on my radar. And this bloke was at me for about six months. He used to call every one or two weeks until I finally said yes, and I had about an hour's training, but I found that my first week I'd signed more contracts than the other team of six had done in two months. And what I realised was that my understanding of how properties work and how people live um, and interact with them came through in that area. Anyway, I ended up managing that company. I became sales and marketing manager. And I sat in my office one day and actually wrote on a pad, how do I use trades and services to sell homes? Because we had display homes, there was sales methodology. And, you know, companies invest absolute millions in display villages. And, you know, we've got colorists and some designers and all those sorts of things. And so there was a discipline that came with it. And I Thought to myself, why don't we put those two things together? Use trades and services for people who are actually already own their home, and use all that knowledge from uh, the industry to do what we're doing now. And that's essentially how I started down that track. It took a little while to put systems in place, which we've been pretty successful at. Once that all came together and we had a formula, uh, I went to market, spoke to some of the biggest. Um, property companies around I spoke to uh, the biggest uh, vendors advocate company in the state, and they started using us, and it just keeps going. We get more and more referrals. Um, it just becomes easier as time goes on.
1: Yeah, I've seen some of the uh, the results that you've achieved. Sometimes uh, they pop up in Domain and Sydney Morning Herald and the Age and so on. So, if somebody wants to achieve those kind of results. As a vendor, what what sort of things should they consider when styling a home for sale? And what kind of tips do you have for somebody who's presenting a home for sale for the first time? I mean, presumably, you need to think about who the target buyer is, whether that's a first home buyer or an upgrader and so on. And how much time should you put into it? The
2: preparation part from the day I get there to the time you get full quotes is probably about 10 days. So we get a phone call. We do a thing called a pre-sale property audit. And what that means, we come to your place that's free of charge and we look at everything in your home and outside of your home that would maximise customer appeal or buyer appeal. More than that, we look at how are they going to take photos of this place for when it goes online. You see about 90% of buyers find property through online portals, um, so it's it's that important. When it comes to preparing a property, some people have really good ideas, and that's simple things like keeping your garden clean. Cleaning is the is the number one thing that someone can do themselves mm. you know, to make a property absolutely zing and clean up their gardens. Um, I often get asked if you only to do one thing, what would it be? And my my answer is always the same clean your windows, take out all the window coverings and clean them to within an inch of its life. It's that transformative. But as far as dressing a home goes, it's a really interesting thing, Pete, that um, I I can imagine my parents. Now, I grew up with a mum and dad, got a Greek dad and Irish mum. They could spot dust at 100 paces. Their home is spotless. You could laser level dad's grass in his garden. It's insane. Um, and it's just the way I grew up, the way they are. And they've got nice furniture and all that. But with all of that, for as good as they are, I wouldn't bring, if mum dared to turn the property over to me, which she won't, <laughs> I wouldn't style it the way they have it. It's nice and they've got pretty neutral tones, but there's just too much. The key thing is we find that people get used to the way they're living Um, And even if they're super neat and clean, but things change in the marketplace in terms of colour palettes and fashion. And if you want a good understanding of that, just take a free trip down to any display village and you'll soon get an idea that there's quite a difference between how people live in a home and how you display a home.
1: Yeah, so I guess, yeah, they often talk on some of those renovation shows about, Providing something that's got broad appeal. I'm just thinking back to the first time I bought a um, bought a car. Obviously, this was a long time ago, and it was a second hand car. And I remember my mum saying to me, instead of just looking at a car, you take a look and see whether the owners are mowing their front lawn or you know that kind of thing uh, as a kind of a um, an indicator of whether they would also be the right sort of person who would look after a car. Because I I guess it's um, human nature, right? you know, if you see an error in a um, a written document, you start to think, well, there's probably going to be more errors further down. And it's the same reason that you know people would, uh, you know, if you're turning up for a job interview, you want to have clean fingernails, you know what I mean? Sort of first impressions can make a big difference. So when, um, obviously, you know, we've seen in the newspapers, some of the results, the difference in the results that people can get from a well-styled or very carefully presented property. And I've even seen it, Um, I think we were talking when we had coffee the other day, just an identical uh, pair of units side by side, one that was styled for sale and one that wasn't. Nothing else that was different between them. And there was a 10% difference in the price. How much should people consider setting aside on spending to prepare a home for sale? Because I guess if you're going to sell a property, most people don't want to spend too much. But how do you think about that in terms of a budget?
2: If the property is in pretty good nick, I would expect to spend between between three and five percent of the expected sales amount. It's very, very rare that that I could probably think of a handful of times in all the years where I've actually said to the people, "Look, I I can't do anything. It's that good, and I'm not going to do work just to earn money because you know you got to be scrupulous." I think that. You know, what you're prepared to leave on the table in terms of money says a lot about your character. Um, but if the place needs a bit of work and not a lot's been done or it's a huge home and there's got to be a lot of change, anywhere from, say, 6 to 10% um, of expected sales price, we just finished one where it was three and a half months of work, uh, massive 2,000-square-metre block. Not a lot of work had been done in the gardens and surrounds for over 16 years. I oh, an elderly couple, it was a deceased estate. And inside, um, it just needed so much. It was so much involved. So we did all the work, uh, went to market. They got 155,000 over their best estimate results. So it was at an auction. Interestingly enough, had we not done any work, they so that there was about 110 grand worth of work on this place. The agents told me that there probably would have been between 350 and 400 thousand dollar difference
1: mm. had
2: we not done any work at all. Wow! So yeah, I wasn't aware of that uh, differential. It's that big. And so the key thing with investing in, and I use that term investing in a property, unlike buying a car, where you're buying a depreciable asset. Um, or anything else, when you spend money on a home, you know, you're only looking uh, at that outgoing, maximum being out for 90 days. So by the time you start the work, get it done, then you go through your marketing campaign, your money comes back pretty quickly. Most people, think in terms of when they go to spend money, they think of it like buying something, say, like a car or something else so that you don't get anything back on. So it's, it's really, really important.
0: Do you want to save on buyers' agent fees? You could save thousands with Buyers Buyers. As Australia's most extensive network of buyers' agents, we can lock in highly competitive prices. Plus, our national network of buyers' agents are some of the best in the business. So get the Buyers Buyers Advantage and talk to us today. Call one 975 51 or visit
1: Now We've all heard those uh, sort of sayings about people can make a decision on whether or not they like somebody or a house to buy or whatever it may be in a very short space of time based upon first impressions. So give us an idea of some of the attention to detail that's involved in presenting a home for sale because I guess what you're ad- dearly looking for is a vendor who's going to become emotionally uh, very connected to the to the purchase and therefore they're prepared to then bid against other bidders. So what sort of things do you look at in terms of kitchens and living areas and bathrooms and wardrobes and so on? Okay,
2: so this is a really good question. I'm going to answer that in several parts. So when we first get the call to come out and do a pre-sale property audit, um, let's say it was your um, house, Pete, and um, I know that you you know live in Double Bay out on the point there amongst the uh, uh, the toffs. Um, <laughs> so what I do as I'm driving towards your property, anyone else, we actually film probably about a K out. So we start filming in the vehicle on the route in. And the reason we're doing that, we're getting a general sense of the area uh, the block and the street coming in. And the reason I want to know what that looks like is, is it reflects um, on the general suburb. So, you know, it's like if you go into an area where it's well-kept, well, it's like, oh, this is nice. But if it's not well-kept, then it starts, you know, putting red flags up for potential buy. So we film it, get it out of the vehicle. Before I even speak to the vendor, we take a bunch of shots Of the actual house, so your home and the homes either side, and what we're looking for is the type of shots that might be used uh, when it's being photographed for marketplace. We're asking ourselves, how presentable is this? You see, Pete, when someone comes to a property, there's a thing that a term that I use called street cred or street credibility, and a decision is made on buying a property within the first seven to ten seconds of seeing it. It is that quick. And, you know, it's like when you look at a car or you look at a dress or you look at even food in a restaurant, you know, we do judge books by its covers. Don't be fooled into that saying because when we're going to invest a bunch of money, you know, it's not flippant. It's everything that we've had, everything we worked for, and it's all our hopes. And so the key thing is how does this place present from outside and in the marketplace? And then, so when we walk through the um, property you know, with permission, we ask the vendors, can we film and take photos? And so what I'm getting uh, an idea of is how does it feel walking in? So we walk around, film and take photos. Um, a big thing is how does it smell? Um, people get used to living in their homes, so often people get they get used to the smell of their pets mm. their cooking. So um, a great tradition that a lot of Greeks do, um, back in Greece but even in australia is that they have somewhere else outside of the house that they cook so there's often a lot of kitchens in the um in the garage and the reason they do that if you had any Greek cooking it's quite aromatic got a lot of garlic and other things they cook use some oils smells great I'm used to it if anyone else walking in if it was all in the house it wouldn't be it would be less you know less desirable and so the smell of a place we're looking for mold anything that puts a red flag up in the home. And so as we're doing this, we're writing, we start to uh, present our reports and taking notes. And so the big things are the lighting, what's the lighting like, what colours are in the home, what's the carpet like, uh, what are the floors like, is it tiled, is it got have, um, hard floors like timber. We're looking at all those things and what's the general condition because it all means something. And then outside, the gardens. You know, what are the gardens like? And so we assemble this report normally over a a week, sometimes a little longer depending on how much has to happen. And so when we come back to the bend or comes with a book, and everything we do is literally broken down in chapters. So we've got one on electrical, one on lighting, one on painting, uh, one on general cleaning, gardens, whatever it is, there's a chapter there for it. And it's like the roadmap of moving forward. And so... What we're looking for, you know, you mentioned it earlier, on, but my business is focused in three key areas, Pete. Maximising sales price, have maximum buyer appeal, minimise time on market. Anything to do with that property, if it doesn't fit within that, so sometimes we'll have a, a vendor say, oh, do you think we should put it in a new kitchen? Well, unless it's so bad or there's something fundamentally wrong, we'll say no because we're not actually going to get money back on it yeah, you know, it's not going to achieve the results that we want. Um, yeah. We'll recolor a kitchen um, and make it look good in you know, an update with handles and all that sort of stuff. But fundamentally we'll say no to some things because they're going to spend money, they're not going to get back. And the other key thing, we always think of who our buyers are. So how men and women relate to properties are totally, totally different. So I tend to find blokes, go, oh, man, it's got a garage, it's got a shed, it's got a backyard, uh, you know, we can mow this, we can play a bit of cricket there, and and, and we can park the vehicle or the trailer here. So it's quite utilitarian. Um, or if there's an office, you beauty, we have got a home office. Um, women understand property very differently. It's more of a DNA thing. There's a very tactile component to it. And it's not always that case, but more often than not, And so for us, we present properties for women. And so there's a term that I coined called selling future memories. What that means, Pete, is this. My wife is exactly like this. You know, when we've moved to new places, she'll see it. And then she she will start saying, oh, look at that. We could put our, she's already seeing where the furniture's going. And then, oh, we can entertain over there. You know, we've got a big family. My wife and I've had five kids. You know, big Greek Irish family. There's always a lot of people around. So they're starting to imagine living in this home. And so what happens is they're looking to the future for the things they're going to. But the brain reads it as a memory as something that's already happened in the past. And what starts, what we're looking for is an emotional connection to the property. And so, all the colours and everything that we do must be focused on having people feel that for themselves.
1: Yeah, because I guess the uh, yes, I guess that's the key point, isn't it? You want people to be able to visualise themselves living there, and uh, as you said, not a, not every single person will be the same, but often when you've got a family purchase, often is um, not always, of course, but often the wife who particularly in a family with children, um, they may be visualising whether they can see the, the kids playing in the garden from the kitchen living area, whether they can live there. You know, one of the things that um, we often see at open homes, especially when you're buying a unit, is that uh, the the, uh, the agent uh, will pull together a couple of books, you know, just throw a couple of books around. Usually it's um, Jamie Oliver and maybe a book on philosophy or something. But... Uh, Aside from um, things like bookshelves, what are some of those small finishing touches that you guys would do that uh, most of us wouldn't normally think of even doing?
2: Oh, that's an awesome question. So um, almost exclusively with every property we do, we we do this, especially if you've got eight-foot ceilings. Now, one of the great challenges with eight-foot ceilings is it feels quite low. Um, Now, I'm not a tall guy, uh, but my brother-in-law's six foot seven. So he uh, has this ability to bump into everything. Um, So, you know, the old traditional batten light that people have, um, people have pendants and batten lights. All it does is illustrate how low the ceiling is. So we strip it all out and we put in down lights throughout the home and then we have a few what we call hero elements. So we might have a few pendants or sconces in place that just give it some panache. Um, and it's just about making it beautiful. And lighting, there's three different types of lighting. So there's natural lighting that's, you know, through your windows. Um, So we tend to strip off all curtains and and all of that. And then you've got uh, utilitarian lighting, so work lighting. So that might be a downlight over a sink or a workbench. Um, And then you've got uh, lighting that's like display lighting. And so that could be sconces pendant lighting it's just to make it beautiful so we will put in lights in a certain place to highlight the big problem is a lot of people once they find something they like they put lots of it in and then it just loses its panache other little things like in all the bedrooms you know like your little double adapter power points you have on the wall we use ones that have usb and usc ports in them and so if you've ever plugged your phone in um, or a laptop or anything um, it's those little um, those little ports um, at the at the end of your plug, and so we put them in all the bedrooms because what it means is that when they go in, you don't have to have power boards anymore. And so you know, on your side tables, you don't have power boards and all those other things. It's very neat and clean. We'll often we'll put sconces or pendants, say so particularly in a master bedroom, either side of the bed, and it will hang over just where you have your side tables. Because now it means that you're moving out lamps. And so what we're looking for is that we imagine how people use homes every single day. And then we go, okay, if they're going to use the home that way, let's put um, a wall plug in with a USB port or USC port. We'll put some in the lounge. Uh, We put one in the ensuite, uh, in the kitchen, in the bedrooms. And so now the house starts to fit around who the people are. Where there's been flooring, you know, we'll pull out carpets and we'll put in hybrid flooring. And the reason we do that, it looks good if you've got pets, you know, occasionally pets piddle, so we want it to look good but to be able to maintain its luster. Um, We reserve carpets generally for the bedrooms and I tend to go for plush pile carpets. And the reason I do that is they look good, it feels nice to walk on. But what it does is it soaks up sound peak. So if we're doing a lot of inner-city properties, there's a lot of exterior noise. And so when people walk in, they become aware of the silence and it has a rather hypnotic effect. And so with the colour palettes we've chosen for the rooms and the colour of carpets and these little things like people will notice that the side tables, they don't have lamps and there's no power boards. It just feels crisp and clean. They're just little things, changing doorknobs, updating. It's just a lot of the big changes we make are actually just lots of little things. And when people walk in, they can't always put their finger on what they're thinking and feeling, but they just go, man, that looks amazing. And It looks great in photos. I
1: think all of us tend to look at our own home through our own eyes because we've been there so long, it becomes kind of normal to us. But then... Uh, the value of getting in guys like uh, yourself and your team is having an external perspective. Because if your goal is to actually maximize the sale price, maximize the appeal to the buyers out there in the market, and also sell as quickly as possible, you're not really styling for yourself anymore. You're you're needing to think about those things, as you mentioned, the street appeal, uh, the garden, but also all of those little interior details that you know, you're no longer styling for yourself and your own usage. You're actually, I guess, building a plan uh, or a strategic plan to try and get the property uh, sold to somebody else. Um, so, you know, I guess that's the the trap to avoid is that, I guess, when you're looking at something you're so familiar with, you might not see some of the, the details um, which have become normal to you.
2: Yeah, we've had on numerous occasions uh, vendors say to us, Oh, but everyone lives this way, or everyone likes this style. Um, and the truth is, not everyone does. And the thing is, some people's styles are so niche. Now it can actually look really, really good. So we've had properties that you go, oh my goodness, it's it's amazing. But you'd be lucky to have one in a thousand people that would want it styled that way. Or typically what happens is they get one or two things that are really nice. And then the theme continues, and then the house gets absolutely full of whatever these things are. Um, and then it loses its its panache. And so the key thing I, mean, I often follow people in when there's open. So I go, I go ninja, and I just follow around and listen to what they say. Um, and what I'm looking for, it's not, I mean, I do listen for the compliments. That looks awesome and all that, you know, and that pumps up my tires. But the real energy comes from especially when you have discerning buyers and they pick up something and they go, oh, yeah, but that wouldn't work that way. And even me in the game, I've been in it for ages. You can you can think a certain way all the time and then someone says something that challenges your very belief, you can either get frustrated at it and go, well, well if that person's thinking that, is that something that other people are thinking but not articulating? And, and so there's always a better way to do something. you just got to look for it.
1: Yeah, and as you said before, uh, you you also need to take into account who your target buyer actually is, because if it's somebody at an earlier stage in life, then it might be a very different type of buyer with different styles and tastes. And you already touched on some of the things that we uh, can normalize. For example, pet owners don't necessarily um, become attuned to smells of pets, whereas another buyer might. There's so many things like that, which we often... I guess don't even think of when we're looking to sell. Peter, thanks so much for joining us. If um, we're going to get you on again to talk about um, some tips for uh, landlords and rental properties, um, but in the meantime, mm-hmm. where can people go to find out more about presenting homes Australia? Okay,
2: so we've got two websites. One I'll give you at the moment because we're having another one renewed. It's dub 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 rent sell au, So that's rent, sell, move.com.au. You can get me on 03 9060 9222. That's 03 9060 9222 or Peter at rent, sell, dot au.
1: Peter, thanks so much for joining and uh, look forward to chatting with you again when we'll talk about uh, tips for landlords. Look forward to for it, mate. Cheers.
0: Thanks for listening to Pete's Property Podcast, powered by Buyer's Buyers. Don't forget to subscribe and join us next time as Pete chats all things property with a new guest. And just a reminder that the information provided in this podcast is general advice only and doesn't take into account your personal financial situation or needs. You should always consult a licensed professional to discuss your individual personal circumstances.